too many entrepreneurs or people that aspire to be an entrepreneur think that you have to go one way or the other. But you have your whole life to be an entrepreneur. You have your whole life to build it however the way you want. It's not just a job. It's really your life. You know, like you become part of what you are pursuing in terms of whatever organization, business, or brand product, whatever that you're building. When you're really specific about who you are and how you define yourself, you'll attract the same type of people into your life. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Passages podcast. I'm your host, Chloe. I'm the founder of The Passages Project. We are a media project on a mission to empower young professionals to honor, explore, and advance their lives and careers from day one. In this podcast, I sit down with young professionals across career paths to understand their stories, where they're at, how they got here, where they're headed, and why. In today's episode, I have the chance to introduce you to my Instagram friend, serial entrepreneur, agency owner, business owner, podcaster, and blogger, Emily Elizabeth Duong. Emily started her first business when she was 17 years old, rooted in her passion for the figure skating industry. Now she's operating not one, not two, but three additional brands alongside a nine to five in sales. Emily has truly picked up a thing or two about how to launch, manage, and scale digital brands with poise and professionalism. In today's episode, I sit down with Emily to better understand her path to entrepreneurship, why she chose to also take on a nine to five in sales, how she's up-leveled her brand aesthetic over the years, and of course, all things time management. For all of you entrepreneurial mavens out there, this one's for you. Let's get into my conversation with Emily. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I'm originally born and raised in Pennsylvania, very small town. And I grew up there for 18 years. And then I decided I wanted to move to Southern California. And I did so when I was 18. I came out here for school and I graduated from Chapman University, very small kind of private school in Orange County. Um, studied communication and business, all that fun stuff. And then um, I guess a little bit prior to that as well, because this does parlay over into my background with one of my businesses, but I was a competitive figure skater and tennis player for 10 to 12 years, depending which sport. And so that really kind of set the foundation for my mindset and my work ethic, I would say, in just different areas of my life. But after college, I graduated May 2019. So I guess yeah, we're, I guess, almost two years ago now. Um, after college, I went, well, initially, I took a few months off, traveled a little bit. And then my first corporate job was sales or is still my corporate job. So I work in sales as my nine to five. And then outside of that, which I'm sure we will dive into, I also manage my own business called Elite Skatewear, which involves my figure skating background. I design custom figure skating dresses and then other types of apparel and gear in the figure skating world. I also recently launched a creative marketing agency, Lost Hatton. And then of course, I'm also in the podcasting industry as well with my own podcast known as what fulfills you podcast so definitely doing a lot on the side but certainly I am so excited just to talk more about it and really get going with it 
It's so funny because I would consider myself a side hustler and then all of a sudden you come along and I start following you on Instagram <laughs> and I'm like, this girl manages so many things. <laughs> and I have to say like the that everything about your brands that I follow, I follow you and your podcast and obviously and, and heard of your business as well, Elite Skatewear. And um, it's always exciting to me to talk to entrepreneurs. And I feel like the number one question that I always have is what drew you to that? Because you can always, you know, be interested in podcasts without starting your own or be interested mm-hmm. in figure skating without, you know, diving into the industry. So when you were, I, you also, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started the elite skatewear business kind of a while ago, right? Like you were pretty young or um, mm-hmm. it was around, you were starting college. So what drew you to starting that business? Like why entrepreneurship as the move for you? Yeah. So entrepreneurship was something I definitely feel like I always did as a kid. Funny enough, I know people talk about, or at least Gary Vee, one of the infamous entrepreneurs of kind of like the millennial generation, or at least speaking to our generation. But, um, you know, you hear about the lemonade stand, all of that, but it's funny because when I was in elementary school and I think back now, I definitely got in trouble for it, but I used to sell custom erasers to my classmates. And I think it's really funny because I literally would buy a pack of cap erasers from Walmart, obviously with my dad's money. (laughs) Um, and I would draw like smiley faces and hearts on it and I would sell it for either 25 cents each or I believe five for a dollar like some you know one of those classics like you can get one more <laughs> a like, bundle basically at 27 <laughs> yeah and so it's really funny because I did this as a kid I was in fifth grade I remember exactly where I was I remember who I sold it to and I remember I'd like go up to each classmate after they bought so my mom was just laughing about this the other day but I would basically try to sell them again like <laughs> I would be like hey like do you need more erasers um and basically that was kind of like the start of what now I know is my entrepreneurship career or at least my alignment or savviness towards it. So that's really where it kind of began in terms of that natural intrinsic thought of this is what I'm going to do because I just feel aligned to it. Um, And then in middle school, obviously a little bit better and on a bigger scale. I remember I once, it wasn't a brand or anything, but I sold custom high-waisted denim shorts on like eBay. And I think Big Cartel, that was like another website that was kind of geared towards artists and those that kind of made fashion pieces, but vintage style. So that's kind of what I did for a little bit. That was honestly pretty lucrative for a middle schooler. And um, I think I did a few other things as well. But then high school or end of high school was when I did start elite skatewear. And that really just came about because of a already my entrepreneurial way of thinking, but b when I was 16. And you know, when you're a teenager, you're kind of bratty, and you kind of want things the way you want it. And so that's part of what happened. I was trying to find a dress for my programs is what we call it in skating. It's just like the routines that we perform. And we usually wear two dresses, um, depending on like which performance it is. And I couldn't really find a style or design that I really liked, or even a designer or dressmaker to do something that I liked. And I feel like this is also when we're transitioning to being more modern and more trendy in a way. And I feel like all the dressmakers were really behind. So I kind of 
put together a vision board really of what I was thinking of for my program at the time, which was Swan Lake. And I really wanted to be basically like a black swan or a dark swan. I forget what the term is. And so I showed my mom what I was, what I wanted. And I asked her like, is there a way that we can just make this ourselves or like have someone manufacture this for me? And so since I was 16 or 17 at the time, my mom ended up reaching out to someone she knew and, um, fast forward, basically, a lot of people would ask me, where'd you get the dress? This is so cool. It's more like, you know, modern and in tune with the other 16, 17, 18 year olds I was, I was competing against. And so that's when I realized like, wait, if so many people like it, shouldn't I just sell this as a custom option and have other people kind of customize it themselves? So that's exactly what I did. I took photos of it, I think, on some random digital camera that I had and I listed it on eBay. And that's where I started. I started on eBay and at the time as well, eBay was pretty popular and I don't know how it is as much today, but definitely back when I was 17, 16, it was really great, um, especially before e-commerce and all that. And so started there, was on there for a couple of years, did really well. And then by the time I got to college, I'd say junior year, I was like, okay, I should probably make my own website because I definitely want to put my dresses in store eventually and grow it and scale it and whatnot. So yeah, that's kind of uh, the full scope of how Elite Skatewear came about. (laughs) I love that. And I feel like having the problem yourself, right, is motivation Mm -hmm. in and of itself and you having lived it and loving your customers because that was you. (laughs) It's such a Mm -hmm. great story and it is such a unique business. Like, I think that's such an interesting space and it's clear that you have such a passion for it. Um, I'm curious as you went through college and as you started taking the business super seriously, what did scaling it really mean to you? Like, what was your goal when you were considering scaling your business and what kind of decisions did you make to see your business grow? I really like this question because I feel like I always talked about scaling my business when I was a junior in college. And at the time too, I was just really in a, I guess, uh, lower place in life in terms of mentally and emotionally. And so I feel like that was a big part of what drove me to really want to put a lot of focus into growing this business. And so for me, I felt like I had a lot of direct to consumer experience and, you know, for the most part too, it is exactly where you want it in terms of selling directly to the customer. But I recognize that that's also how most dressmakers and other competitors in the industry are doing. They're just going straight to the consumer. They're doing custom dresses or they're selling whatever they have in inventory online. And at the same time, like marketing in the skating industry as well, as you can tell, it's very niche, very small. And essentially, if you haven't been a skater yourself, or if you haven't been, you know, within the skating world for many, many, many years, it's very hard to understand what to do to break into the market. And so for me, I recognize that because most of my competitors are really either small brands or just kind of mom and pop dressmakers, then the alternative to like doing paid marketing or Facebook ads and all that, which is kind of your classic route for e-commerce. I was like, okay, well, why are there none of like competition dresses similar to mine in store? And so that was kind of the next step for me is like, okay, how can I put my dresses in store, which in the skating world is called a pro shop. If you go to any skating rink that is pretty big or they have like 
at least a pro hockey team there or some hockey and competition there, then they most likely have a pro shop where most people buy like their hockey gear, their skating gear, gloves, skate guards, skate sharpening, even all of that. And so I decided to approach more of the lucrative large pro shops, especially in Southern California where I'm based. And I figured you know, if a skating mom sees a dress of mine in store, and even if it's not their size, or maybe it's not the color or fabric they like, they can at least look at the hang tag and be like, oh, it's from Elite Skatewear. At least they can already know the expectation of quality and detail, which I knew was a really big, uh, you know, selling point for my brand. And so that was kind of my way of skipping the whole marketing piece and not doing any paid ads or anything like that, and putting it into store and kind of doing a I would kind of say a double dipping type of thing where I'm like still um, gaining from being in store. I'm obviously getting profit, not as large as direct to consumer, but I'm still getting exposed into the eyes of who I want to see my stuff. I love how you took such an intuitive approach. Like that feels like Mm -hmm. the way you were just explaining that it was like, yeah, I've I felt like this would work and it did, you know, <laughs> like, I knew my customer well enough to know that like, this just makes sense. So why wouldn't yeah. I do it? And that intuition, <laughs> I feel like it's such a, it's really, I don't know if it's a skill or an innate thing or just based on experience, but it's, it's hard to be an entrepreneur in your space, whatever space you're in and make decisions mm-hmm. solely based off intuition. I think it's really interesting. Right. You shared that. Um, I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah. So then instead of pursuing entrepreneurship full time, you have a nine to five in sales, like you explained. So you Mm -hmm. have several brands, you have several businesses you manage. They're all currently side hustles. And it's clear that you put a lot of passion into them. Why not pursue entrepreneurship full time? Why pursue a, a nine to five right out of college? A lot of people ask me this question, especially because my business elite skatewear, especially at that time too, I really could have just took that full time to be transparent. And I thought about it. And I also thought deeply about the pros and cons of doing a nine to five. So I guess my thought process with that is number one, I never had the intention of doing a nine to five for more than two to three years, probably. Um, secondly, I knew that I already had entrepreneurship experience. I already know what the working for yourself life feels like, especially because balancing it during college was quite easy in my opinion. And so when I went into nine to five, I was like, okay, first off, why sales sales is the closest thing you're going to get to entrepreneurship in a corporate level. And secondly, being in sales is all about performance. So if you're doing well, no one's going to ask questions. If you're, you know, not working the whole eight hours and such and transparency, I don't really work the full eight hours in my job just because I fortunately do perform really well. And so, um, that's given me the ability to be flexible with my own business as well. And that was always my intention, but more importantly, I think, too many entrepreneurs or people that aspire to be an entrepreneur think that you have to go one way or the other. I think at a certain point you do, but depending on where you are at in life. So for example, if you're like me and you just graduate college, I do think to a certain degree based on, again, your experience and what you're going to pursue and kind of what your overall life goal is. 
I think it's really valuable to actually work in a nine to five, even if it's just for like six to nine months, really, again, because if your intention is never to be in corporate full time, it doesn't really matter how long you were at the job for. But I think you learn like it to me, I look at everything in life as an internship, you gain something new each time. It's not like you're really at a loss except for time really right you don't get that time back but you have your whole life to be an entrepreneur you have your whole life to build it however the way you want and if you can actually have some strong takeaways from this job or that nine to five then I personally think it's worth it and in my case it's been worth it because not only has my sales pitches and skills gone up significantly because as I think you know as well, you know, being in sales, you're just dialing and you're calling people all the time. You hear no all the time. It's very turbulent, just like entrepreneurship. So I really like that aspect. But more importantly, though, I built a lot of meaningful friendships and relationships in this job and this work that I'm in. And so for me, that was really surprising and something I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss out on and forget that is there when you go into a nine to five. Um, Because I have a lot of entrepreneur friends that work for themselves. They don't have a nine to five. They don't have anything else. And so they're friends with a lot of entrepreneurs, which which I think is great. And it will propel you more into that direction. But if you're 23 or 22 last year when I was starting the job, like me, you know, it it doesn't hurt to partake in a little bit of what people would consider a normal life. And, you know, if I could have quit in six months, although the pandemic happened, then I obviously didn't. But um, to me, that's just kind of my perspective on why I went the nine to five and why I don't think every entrepreneur, every aspiring entrepreneur should completely cut it out as an option. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think there's something to be said too of like, learning how to be led helps you be a better leader, you know? Like Mm -hmm, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, someday you might hire people around you or under you or with you. You're always Mm -hmm. working with other people. Like learning how to work with people and in a work environment and towards goals, building your brand, building your business, it it can't hurt to understand how other people do that, even if Mm -hmm. your longer term goal is to be an entrepreneur. I don't know if you agree with that, but right. I think it's interesting. To I totally about. do. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So what has sales taught you specifically about how to grow your businesses and platforms? If you were going to give like one or two key pieces of advice. I think sales has taught me more about how often you really have to follow up to a prospect or client to really achieve the closed deal because Mm. I mean it's funny because even for me I technically already learned that prior to my sales job like for example my first pro shop and wholesale partner that I landed I had to contact her six times via email with no response (laughs) and then I went in person this was in Anaheim California so it was local to me but a huge pro shop in the California region and I went in person with like no appointment or anything I just showed up on a Saturday and I brought a couple dresses of mine as samples And I just straight up went up to her and said, hi, I've been trying to email you. This is my name. Um, I have some dresses here I would like for you to take a look at. I see this as a really valuable, you know, addition to your shop and here's why. And so I learned that kind of in my own scrappy way, but it's been more refined being in a corporate sales job for a Fortune 500 company and just really learning the tricks of the game. And so I think sales too, in my opinion, is just 
one of the hardest skills to have in life and in any job. And I think if you have it refined, you can really have that parlay over into any part of your life, even even in personal life, like just when it comes to like dating, even like that's just my thought process on it. And so, um, yeah, yeah. I I really just think it helps in anything because sales, the the reason why it is so hard is that most people are just scared of getting no, or most people are scared of calling and hearing the answer no. And in my eyes, I'm like, well, what is that no going to do to you? Is it just going to hurt your ego? And if it's just your ego, then why, why do you care so much? And so I think we realize that, it's just the ego in every part of our life that gets scared. And so when you lose that fear or when you reduce it, you become more self-confident and more self-aware in which it will obviously boost your level of confidence and ability to perform in any area of life. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It reminds me so much of Sarah Blakely's story, like everything that you're sharing. Like she talks about entrepreneurship and and her journey being like, I am successful because I had to learn how to receive no's for like seven Mm -hmm. years. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I remember her saying that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's, even um, Guy Raz. I don't know if you listened to how Mm -hmm. I built this, but Mm -hmm. he talks so much about this like the the underlying theme between all the successful stories that he's heard like what really sets incredible exceptional entrepreneurs apart even if your goal is not to be exceptional but just to like last mm-hmm. <laughs> in entrepreneurship right right is developing that muscle of resilience like what are you going to do yeah. when somebody tells you no I think it's so interesting. You just have to have a lot of grit, I think, you know, yes. with being an entrepreneur. And many people don't really recognize it. And I get it. I know entrepreneurship looks like very <laughs> appealing and very glamorous. And it can be, but oh my goodness, it's it it really is a just just an up and down course of life. <laughs> it's not just a job, it's really your life, you know, like you become part of what you are pursuing in terms of whatever organization, business, or brand product, whatever that you're building. And so um, it's great, but you do have to have a lot of grit. And if you want to test that grit out, definitely go into sales in a nine to five job. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's be clear. You run this, this business with the elite skate wear business. You also have a nine to five in sales, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not it lasts Mm -hmm. the full nine to five. And you have a podcast, Mm -hmm. personal brand and marketing agency. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) When did you start to take your personal social media more seriously? I've, I love following you on Instagram. I think that your stuff is so inspiring and your aesthetic is just like pristine. I love, I love your brand. Um, but I mean, it it can be hard to kind of make that transition from, you know, okay, world, here I am on Instagram, friends with all my friends to really presenting yourself professionally. You have great brand photography. Um, was there a time when you really decided to like make a switch? Mm -hmm. So it's funny because my personal like public, I guess, Instagram, Emily E. Duong is one that I actually created separate from that OG Instagram that I started with, you know, when I was probably like 13 or something. So um, I guess I I use that old one now as like my actual private, private Instagram. But um, the main one, Emily E. Duong, I started when I essentially realized, I think I was like, end of my sophomore year of college. So probably 2017 or so when I realized that 
I was tired of consuming a bunch of sorority photos and fraternity photos in college and what everyone else was posting. And I also started to see at the time it was more about um, definitely more about creative photography and more like content creation versus influencer. Like influencer was definitely not a word used back in 2017, as far as I remember. But um, I remember seeing people like post these really unique artistic photos, ones that told more of a story than your classical photo, you know, at the pool at a frat party. And again, like I, I had my days too. Like, I don't get me wrong. I definitely posted those types <laughs> of photos, but I came to a point where I was like, you know, how can I be less of a consumer and more of the person creating the content that other people consumed? So that's when I started thinking about, okay, let me just try out different photos. Like I took photos of my food at Earth Cafe. I took photos of me at the gym and all this stuff, but I really refined it. I want to say definitely in the past year or so, um, I got better with my photography. Like I started shooting my own photos, whereas I used to shoot or like I used to have an actual photographer that I would collaborate with again that was more normal back in the day too, to like collaborate with photographers um but I think back in 2018 or so like mid or late 2018 I started deciding like hey why don't you try to take your own photos and have friends take photos for you and you can just edit so I feel like the big transition for me was when I really got really good at Lightroom and editing Mm. on there. And then I ended up making my own presets, which I still have to finally put up on my blog because so many people have asked for it. But um, that's, I think, really the the shift in branding for me when I realized like this is what I wanted all along, but just took me, you know, three years to figure out how to shoot my own photos and how to edit. And honestly, just like the different types of lenses and how it all works. And so it's just like anything you do in life where it takes a couple years to really get good at it and have a better understanding of it. So I feel like for me, it was about three, four years of just playing around with kind of Tumblr like photos and then really coming into my own theme and understanding, okay, this is the type of colors and photos that I like to post on my Instagram. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Presets change the game. (laughs) Oh, they really do. (laughs) Preset or filter. Mm -hmm. How do you, okay. Time management, real talk. Right. Yeah. (laughs) How do you do it all? Can you spill the beans on how you have managed all of these brands and businesses, how you pivot from thinking about one thing to the next and doing it all really Mm -hmm. well? I have to say I refined my time management skills over the past six months for sure. And I would say, especially because of working from home because of the pandemic and whatnot for my nine to five, it has given me a lot more time to bounce back and forth between whatever I want. I will say the first thing that comes to mind though, is definitely a lot of sacrifices. I will say that, you know, I can't remember the last time I watched Netflix, Hulu, or any streaming service or cable TV. I don't, I don't have cable. I don't even have streaming services. I do have a TV though, but I don't really know what I use it for. So that's like a big one. Um, (laughs) I don't really, I guess like, I don't really partake in leisure things because I find that working on my podcast or, you know, maybe just like editing photos or whatever that that may be to me, that's my kind of Netflix, if that makes sense to another person that enjoys winding down with watching Netflix and catching up on their favorite shows. Um, To me, I think like my, my projects is, is exactly that. So I get the same kind of feeling as someone may 
get when they're watching Netflix or so. So I think the big one is sacrificing a lot of what other people are doing. And I'm more than happy to do that because I thoroughly enjoy every single thing that I'm doing. But another thing as well, in terms of time management, I definitely do time blocking on my calendar. So like I kind of alluded to earlier, I don't necessarily do the whole eight hours for my job because it is a sales job because, you know, so with that being said, it's just I set my own meetings and appointments, I close them, whatever. And so fortunately, because of that, I get to align my podcast interviews or my podcast, you know, whatever I'm doing or my business agency, whatever day it is, I get to align that into my calendar accordingly. And so I will take note on that as well. I don't put everything in one day. So podcasting, like for me, I only do interviews on my podcast on typically like Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes Friday. And I don't touch it on Monday or Wednesday, for example. And so same thing with Elite Skatewear. I'm doing certain things for Elite Skatewear business on certain days of the week. And again, same thing with my marketing agency and all of that. So um, that's a huge thing I would say is you can't put everything that you're working on in one day, but instead only allow your brain to go into that special place on certain days so that it's starting at a fresh point rather than bouncing back and forth. That is so true and really changed the game for me and my podcast as well. I, I remember when I really, when I started it, and <laughs> you're just trying to figure <laughs> everything out and balance it all in the very yeah. beginning. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I mean, realistically, like I'm free all of these hours of every single day. Like let's talk mm-hmm. whenever works for you. And I feel like setting yep. boundaries on, like I use Calendly to book with guests, like how I booked with mm-hmm. you and um, mm-hmm. like setting, okay, I am only available like this day and this day, even though realistically, mm-hmm. like the next day I might've been free as well. It helps me keep things to certain days and gives me boundaries and bandwidth without even trying. Like all of a sudden I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a Thursday and I don't have a podcast episode that I need to do today. And right. like, that was my past right. self being like, okay, Chloe, you gotta set some <laughs> I feel like people can easily apply this method in personal life as well. Like again, mm. same thing with like, you know, on certain days you allow yourself to spend time with friends and certain days you keep it for yourself. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I think again, same thing. If you leave your calendar too open to let anything come through, that's what slows people down in getting towards whatever they're actually aiming for. And they start to complain, Hey, you know, I'm not, for example, like losing weight, or I'm not, you know, getting closer to this goal, whatever it is. Well, there's a great chance it's because you're letting other things come through and you're not really setting boundaries saying, Hey, can't do it because I got to be up at 6am to go work out the next day, you know, because that's going towards my goal of I don't know, getting more fit by the summer, right. So I just think same thing, it doesn't have to be just applied into our work, but also even personal life and however you manage your calendar, really. 100%. I love that example. That's so true. And it helps you like not feel as bad when you're, when you're saying no, you're setting those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like you can have really clear goals in the back of your mind. Like it's not that I don't want to hang out with my friends. It's that I actually Mm -hmm. do, you know, and to have the right energy, I can do that on this day or this day, but not this day. And and that's the key you said right there, the right energy, because I think that I've noticed when I spend my time on days, like if I hang out with someone on a Tuesday, when I know I have stuff coming up that's on Wednesday and Thursday, it's really urgent. I just have 
most likely subconsciously really bad energy around them because I'm just like, oh shit, I should be doing something else or I have this going on that I should be prepping for and I'm not. And so that also sometimes creates the anxiety that we all get that we're like, why am I so anxious? Well, probably because we (laughs) didn't prep for it or we didn't put ourselves in the right position that we should have. And so again, it kind of comes back to discipline and really setting boundaries. Yes, totally. Okay. (laughs) A little, we're kind of wrapping up now, but I got to pick your brain on this just because I so admire your expertise. So you have this marketing agency and as I've mentioned 27 times already, your aesthetic on Instagram is incredible. And I just feel like you've done Mm -hmm. a really great job, like weaving all of the brands together, Um, especially like your personal brand and the podcast and everything. How do you feel like you've done that? Do you have any advice for anybody that's looking to grow their brand on Instagram or social media? Um, What advice do you kind of share with your, your clients of your agency? My personal advice is really to know exactly what you want. And sometimes that does involve, you know, taking out a Pinterest board and putting a bunch of colors and content in there that really align with you or your brand or whatever it is. And I think when you get really specific, that's how you can hone down more on actually branding yourself the right way. Because I see the issue with a lot of people, whether it's personal branding or branding their actual business and product is that they don't have a consistent eye-catching theme or something that people remember them for, especially as a consumer. And so for that reason, it they're like people come by them and they're like, oh, what are you about? I can't really tell. And then they get bored and they leave. So I think you have to be really specific about A, who you're targeting and B, what you want to showcase for yourself. So for me, I try to attract people who are more into lifestyle, interior design, and more of a I guess, holistic view of life in a kind of uh, like aesthetically, as you kind of mentioned, aesthetically pleasing uh, photography way. And so that's my way of branding myself as Emily Elizabeth on my Instagram. And I think when each person hones down on what that is, they can attract the right people into their brand and into their space. And I see this as also just applying into personal life as well. When you're really specific about who you are and how you define yourself, you'll attract the same type of people into your life. Oof. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Like marketing 101, you know, knowing who are you trying to bring into this space or into this community and how can you speak to them really directly or at least portray yourself in a way that would be attractive to them. I, I think that's incredibly tangible advice. Mm-hmm. So what are your goals? What are you trying to do with all of these businesses and with everything that you're working on? Can you spill a little bit about what you're working towards and what you're excited about for the future? Yeah, I think this year is really exciting for me. I feel like I am pivoting in so many ways in a very positive trajectory. I think sometimes you feel this yourself, just wherever you are in life, not even just work, but you you really feel when a chapter is coming to an end and when you have taken all of the lessons you needed out of that. And I really feel that internally about my nine to five and transitioning into all of my my projects full time. So whether that's my agency and elite skatewear and my podcast, I'd say those are just kind of my three focuses. And I think um, in terms of like where I live, I've, I'm living in LA right now. So I definitely see myself still being here over the next year or so, but certainly being focused on on all of that and just 
ultimately creating a life of, you know, fulfillment and being able to say, I chose this life and not that I kind of settled for it. Love it. Wow. I cannot wait to celebrate with you when you quit that nine to five, go after everything. (laughs) Um, I love that. This has been an incredible conversation, Emily, but before we fully wrap, I have a lightning round question. If you're down, (laughs) I I have love it. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I have three questions. Um, my only rule is don't think just say, okay. 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 (laughs) If tomorrow Instagram went away, where would you turn to grow your brand? my blog. Mm. Okay. Why? Just because a, I own, I own that blog. It's under my name and Mm -hmm. B I think like on my blog, I can really essentially recreate Instagram, but just for myself where you get to still see aesthetically pleasing photos. You get to see more of me in any ways people come on Instagram on my profile to see more of me anyway. So they're just going to see a bigger scale of that on my blog. Love that. Okay. Second question staple piece in your wardrobe and where it's from Ooh, black leather leggings that's definitely a current staple and that one i have is from all saints love okay and then we ask (laughs) every guest this question book resource or quote that you would share with our audience okay quote that i live by in life you don't get what you ask for you get what you negotiate when you're confident enough to ask and you keep pushing for it, it can happen. You just have to, unfortunately, put yourself in a little bit of an uncomfortable position. But the more you put yourself in that kind of position, the more you can honestly be on the better side of the, of the negotiation. I love that. Emily, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it, folks. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining me on today's podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. I find your entrepreneurial journey so inspiring. And as I mentioned, I love your aesthetic. You have to go follow Emily if you're not already. Everything you'll need to keep up with Emily and her businesses will be linked below, as well as more information about the Passages Project, what we're up to, how you can contribute to our platform, either writing for our website, nominating a guest to this podcast, or just being our friend over on social media. Thanks again for tuning in, friends. I will see you on the other side.